0: This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands.
1: Hello, Blood Red's Matt Addison here. Welcome to this edition of the post-game podcast after Liverpool drew 1-1 with La Liga side Athletic Bilbao at Anfield. Myself and Theo Squires had a chat about the game, the talking points including the injury sustained by Andy Robertson, and of course the fact that Anfield was at its fullest since March 2020 when Liverpool played Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. There's less than a week to go now until it all kicks off against Norwich City at Carrow Road next Saturday, and this was another good outing for Jurgen Klopp's men as preparations continue. Make sure to head over to www.bloodredpodcast.co.uk to sign up for our Blood Red Club. If you haven't already, you'll get even more content absolutely free. For now though, enjoy the show and don't forget to give us a nice review if you can. It's always appreciated.
0: The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel
1: Theo, Liverpool didn't get the win today, but there were plenty of positives to take. What did you make of the game in general? It was a positive one for Liverpool. Um,
0: obviously, it's a big party atmosphere with the fans coming back. And you can never really take pre-season too seriously, can you? Because you don't know what you're going to get. But a really encouraging moment, um, the attacking players especially, are linking up really well. And it just looked sharp. Like You knew you were going to get a little bit of an extra kick to it with the fans being in back rather than being a leisurely stroll. But it really had a response from the Liverpool fans and from the players too bit sloppy in times defensively but you expect that don't you in games like this I mean you've got the like, Virgil van Dyke coming back from injury it's going to happen but it was encouraging from this half of the squad and now you just see what the other half do tomorrow before that big opener
1: against Norwich we're going to come on to the positives but we'll start with probably the one negative from the game that was the injury to Andy Robertson. and we don't know quite the extent of it yet Jurgen Klopp did confirm in his press conference that the Scotsman will have a scan on that tomorrow but it is, it is a bit of a, a worry, isn't it? He started all of Liverpool's Premier League games last season and it's it's almost ironic, isn't it, that the first time back at Anfield for this season and he's the one that picks up the injury.
0: Yeah, you think after all the injuries they had in defence last year, it's the one who didn't get the injury that they've lost today. He um, did look like he was struggling when he went off. He needed a lot of support to just walk down the sidelines. They did send the stretcher on and he sent it away, but he was hobbling. Really heavily with medical stuff holding up on each side. Um, I think it's an ankle injury, and it's like, well, you know how tricky they can be. That could be a few weeks or it could be more serious. Don't want to speculate too much. But when he was walking off, Jurgen Klopp was straight over to him, checking to see how he was. And yeah, I'm not saying fear the worst, but you'd imagine he's not going to be fit for Norwich. There's not going to be like miraculous overnight recovery. But the positive on the other side of that is Kostas Simicas has had a really good pre-season. Uh, we didn't really see enough of him last year because Klopp couldn't rotate the defence that were left. So Robert snapped to start every game. And so, well, at least he would get his opportunity, uh, see what he can do against sooner if he can keep up this pre-season form and then hopefully start the season well and kickstart his Liverpool career. If it's a worst-case scenario,
1: he could have a good few weeks in the starting eleven here. I suppose that's the way to look at it, isn't it? We didn't see a great deal of him last season. Liverpool weren't able to use the squad in the way that they possibly would have imagined last season. But if you do have an injury, you just have to trust in those other players to to step up and and come in. As long as it's not the same sort of injury extent of what Liverpool had last season in defence, Liverpool should have the squad at the moment to be able to cope with things like this.
0: Well, Especially when you think that they're doing two friendlies back-to-back. With two different squads, and the teams are going to be strong, aren't they? Like Jurgen yeah, Klopp's come out and day and said that. Granted, none of the eleven today will start tomorrow, but it's still going to be a strong defence. It's still going to have likes of Roberto Firmino in it, Calhoun's in goal, uh, and should see Simicass in that. There are still some good squad players in this Liverpool team that aren't necessarily in that starting eleven every week. And the only reason they pulled up light on, last num- um, on numbers last season was because of the injuries. But when they've got everyone there, they do have enough depth there. And then you're still, you're looking at the younger players in the squad or even like Harvey Elliott coming back off loan. They weren't in this team last year and now they're making a name for themselves. Like it might be too soon for Kay Gordon to really be in contention for a, a substitute role or anything. But Harvey Elliott is looking like he could have a, a big part in this Liverpool side. So they have got that quality. They have got that depth. And it
1: is definitely improvement on what they had last year when they had everyone struck down by injury. Yeah, absolutely. Still a a little bit of a concern about Robertson. We will find out and let people know, of course, as soon as we do know anything on that front, we're expecting that to come tomorrow, probably just before the game. I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will be asked about it. But on a more positive note, obviously the fans were back inside Anfield, slightly delayed, but back in the end. Mm -hmm. How big did that feel inside the ground? The players must have just absolutely loved that.
0: It was a relief, I think. Like, we've waited so long for that moment for fans back inside the stadium. And you can tell they're just happy to see the players. They're happy to see the fans. And it was one where like, every single player getting the chance. You get a round of applause. Players at the end, they're just lapping it up. Like when, either when they're substituted, Harvey Elliott, Gordon, all four sides of the stadium. Or when they're, it's the end of the game and they're staying on the pitch, making sure they're going to every corner and just lapping it up even more. Harvey Elliott after the final whistle, just walking along the sidelines, posing for as many pictures as possible and signing as many autographs as possible. So these, well, there's some players here who haven't played in front of this crowd before. You think, oh, that was Yotta's first Liverpool game in front of a proper Liverpool crowd. And granted, it wasn't at the full capacity; you wouldn't be able to at this stage. But it made a difference. Like if it wasn't off the back of a year, eighteen months without fans. You'd have expected potentially a sleepy-friendly, as we've seen in years before. But there was a bit of a kick to it, as I've already mentioned, and that was from the fans. You could see the queues outside, how much they wanted to be here, how much they wanted to see this team again. And it's a good thing that they could delay it far for half an hour so you could get more fans inside
1: to enjoy what was decent pre-season outing, really. Yeah, Fingers crossed those issues with the tickets assorted before tomorrow night and we don't see a similar sort of thing but another big positive was Virgil van Dijk, 71 minutes that he played today seemed to come through that okay and we're not expecting him to, to be in that team for, for next Saturday or, or anything like that but it was a big step forward for him I think.
0: Yeah, it was, like it's slow steps, isn't it? Baby steps, like give him twenty minutes, give him half hour. He's had seventy today. Um, you wouldn't think that you can do ninety just yet because this is still a friendly, it's still not a hundred percent, is it? But you want him to see these steps and it's one where he's not seeming too rusty. He's not like had any niggles from what we're seeing. He seems to get through these games unscathed. He's not at his best. Like there were a couple of assignments when Nanaki Williams got in behind the Liverpool defense, troubled them with the pace. But that's going to take time. It's always going to take time when you're coming back from such a serious injury. He was still there organising the defence, shouting at the linesman if he wanted the flag up for offside. And at the other end, something that we missed big time from Liverpool last season was an attacking threat at set pieces. He could have scored today. It was a couple of Trent Corners who went straight on his head and he was unlucky not to hit the target. But it's great to see him back in the team. It's great to see fans back, as we've said. And I think they're just waiting for that first Virgil van Dijk chant, weren't you? And it didn't take long for it to boom
1: around Anfield. No, of course. I mean, you could tell, I think you mentioned the the sort of attacking side of his game. I think that the passing was something that we saw straight away. That was a big thing that Liverpool lost last season. In every single way, he just makes the players around him better, doesn't he? And even though he's not at 100% quite yet, He still made a big difference. Liverpool can still play that high line. It it just changes so many things for them going into next season.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's like You see how Liverpool can just change a game with one of his long passes to Mane or Salah out wide. It's why teams struggled against them uh, a couple of years ago, because if you let Liverpool have possession, they can pass through you. And if you sit off them, then they can just kill teams like that. But then if you press high, Virgil van Dijk can just ping one pass over the top and then you've got two of the fastest forwards in the Premier League bursting down on you. Liverpool have had players like this in the past where they just get that extra 10% from everyone around them, even when they're not 100%. You think of Steven Gerrard, Fernando Torres when he was at his very best, Luis Suarez. And Yeah, it's a bit different when it's a centre-back But you know Virgil van Dyke is going to have that impact because losing him also had that impact, the negative effect. But you think when you're seeing him next to you, if you're a centre-back, it doesn't matter whether you're the experienced Joel Matip or if you're Reese Williams, any of the kids. He makes such a difference. And you hear it when they speak about Virgil van Dyke. And it's one where he'll be looking to make up for lost time, won't he? He knows he could have had a trophy or two last season if he was fully fit for the whole of it. He knows he would have been captain of Netherlands at Euro 2020. The year could have been very different for him. And when he's not getting any younger, he's got to make it count when he is on the pitch. And he's, what, 30 now? He's still got a good few years left as the best defender in the world. Hopefully he can get a few more Premier League trophies, Champions League trophies, and keep having this impact on this side. That's why Jurgen Klopp wants to give him a new contract. But long may it continue. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
1: You mentioned there the impact that he has on the youngsters and obviously the Robertson injury we've mentioned already. That meant that Owen Beck came onto the pitch. What did you make of his performance? I thought he sort of looked a little bit out of position on occasion, as you might expect, but in general, really positive signs. He, he was encouraging. Like The first thing he
0: did when he came on was um, pick up a Trent cross that had gone all the way through, powered a defender off the ball, which you don't expect looking at Owen Beck because he's quite slight frame, isn't he? He looks hmm. like a young kid, not much on him. But he managed to shrug off this defender and put in a great low cross to, I think it was uh, Diogo Yota. And the only reason his shot didn't challenge the keeper is because Sadio Mane got in the way of it. But this one where Beck wasn't frightened getting forwards. He's had a bit of pace on him getting past his man. He was putting a couple of good crosses. And that was exciting. It's what you usually get from these Liverpool defenders, young defenders. They can do the attacking side. The questions are over them defensively. But that comes with time, doesn't it? It comes from playing these games, playing alongside the likes of van Dijk or James Milner and having that experience there to talk you through to teach you what I think it was what he's 19 tomorrow Owen Beck so what a birthday present for him to get that experience in front of this Anfield crowd but then if you compare him to like Harvey Elliott who's actually younger than him which is hard to believe he still very much looks like a kid in this team just getting a few minutes and it's still a lot of work for him to do to be in the Liverpool team on a consistent basis whereas Harvey Elliott looks like he's been in that team for years
1: yeah, let's have a chat uh, about Harvey Elliott now. Obviously, in midfield again, Tiago and, and Henderson, we expect to play some part tomorrow. Fabinho as well, likely to play the majority, if not all, of that match against Osasuna. And those are going to be that first choice midfield three. But you look at Cater, you look even at Milner, and, and certainly at Harvey Elliott this summer, they have sort of staked a bit of a claim to, to be in there. Has Harvey Elliott done enough, do you think, to be in with a shout of, of being in the in the eleven for, for next Saturday?
0: I think it depends entirely on Jordan Henderson and Thiago. Uh, we know Henderson's only just back after year, the Euros, and Thiago's come out and said that he's actually been carrying an injury for a long time. That's why he missed the Bologna game and he was playing through the pain barrier for Spain and for Liverpool last season. And when it's a player with the injury record that he does have, you don't want to keep him playing through the pain at the fear of him breaking down again. It's not going to be a case of Liverpool have to play the same trio every week. Jurgen Klopp has never played the same midfield trio every week. It's all very well have, knowing what your first choice one is on paper if you're in a Champions League final tomorrow. But it's not going to be like that. And that's why you want to see these encouraging displays from an Elliot or from an navigator Cater because you wouldn't be surprised if one of them did get that chance against Norwich, in the, at the expense of Henderson or Thiago, because it is two players there who might not be at the same levels as the others they've had a full preseason they're looking good, they're looking sharp. sometimes you want to reward that it's one of the reasons why the midfield has actually stayed unchanged hasn't it this that has been the first midfield trio uh, first choice throughout preseason Elliot Milner and Navi cater. It's uh, different to what we've seen from Liverpool in the past because obviously Cater and uh, Elliot, they're more attacking options. It's a completely new position for Harvey Elliot, but he's shown he can do it. And he's just so confident in the ball. He's so calm. He's a mature character. He passes well. He presses well. You can tell he's enjoying it being a Liverpool player. Obviously, we know he's a Boyard fan. And then when you see him there linking up with Mohamed Salah, who's someone he inevitably idolises, it's an exciting prospect. And you know he will give everything for that shirt. So, hopefully, it's more a case of him properly being part of this first team pitcher and working his way up the pecking order than just giving him minutes because the other couple of players aren't around and then he's going to lose out when everything's going again. But we think, well, they've got a lot of midfielders, and you'd have thought well, Curtis Jones would have been in a shout in that front trio, uh, first choice 3 um, based on what we've seen from him last year. But it just shows even losing Genie and Alden, they still have such depth there when everyone's fit.
1: And Nabi as well, I thought was pretty impressive again tonight, not maybe pulling up as many trees as he has done in, in previous games, but did OK. And I suppose that the biggest thing really for Nabi is that he's got through pre-season without an injury, just, you know, another week to go. And, and hopefully nothing happens between now and then. But you'd imagine that he'd be one that would be thinking in the back of his head that surely he's got to play on the opening day as well.
0: Isn't it one of these interesting facts that he does actually have a decent record starting on the opening day? I'm pretty yes, sure he, yeah. he did against, was it West Ham? I think yeah. he did last year as well, I'm not sure. I have to yeah, correct me if yeah. I'm wrong there. Leeds United, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, so it's one where he always seems to have a good preseason come through unscathed. You think this could be it for Naby Keita. We could see this consistent run and it's just not happened for him yet. You don't want to write him off. It, it could be. This time there's no reason to suggest that he will keep breaking down with injuries if he gets that runner games. It's not been his best performance from him today, but it wasn't a bad performance either. What he did, he did well. He was involved, he passed the ball around well. And you think, well, he doesn't need to be spectacular eight out of ten, nine out of ten every week. When you think with well, Gini Alden, it was just you knew you were getting at least a seven out of ten every week. It's like, well, maybe that is what Naby Keita can bring that role to it. And then when he can really turn it up when Liverpool need it most, that's when you see the spectacular. But games aren't won on those YouTube show reels, are they? It's like a full 90-minute match when you're playing as a team performance. And that's what he gave Liverpool today. You might not have had Harvey Elliott's like curling effort onto the crossbar or anything like that as I catching a that but he did his job in the midfield, the same as he's done throughout pre-season. And you'd say if uh, Henderson or Thiago weren't able to start against Norwich, he's probably the one first at the top of the list from the reserve options,
1: probably ahead of Elliott, to uh, get another opening day start. And we'll finish then with a touch on the forward line. I think Diogo Jota and and Sadio Mane were very, very good for me, particularly in the first half. Obviously, Jota got the goal, had a couple of chances. But I think more than that, it was just the the pressing, the sort of intensity that they had to their game. I think for Sadio Mane in particular, that's a a big thing after the season he had last season. He really needs to sort of start this one in flying form. And it it seems like the pair of them are certainly ready physically to, to go into this season. I think you've been a bit harsh not including Mohamed Salah in there as well to be honest
0: all three of them well, were you, really you take that sharp. for granted don't you <laughs> you do <laughs> like, Mohamed Salah is just superb season after season but we did need to see this from Sadio Mane like he'll have had doubts himself wouldn't he whether last season was the start of a natural decline or just one of those things but he's had a full rest with no international duty or anything this summer he's been able to recharge his batteries and have a full pre-season and he looks like he has a point to prove and whilst we're still waiting to see what is Liverpool's uh, first-choice front three now, because Roberto Firmino is still there, uh, this front three offers something that bit different, because I think pretty much they can all play anywhere across it. Like Sadio Mane, pretty much in the first 10 minutes, he'd had a couple minutes in each position in the front three, and they're just so interchangeable. They link up well, which is something we perhaps couldn't say uh, with Yota in a side as much last season, but you can tell like that time together in training, in pre-season, it's paying dividends, and... They've got the pace. They're getting in behind defences. They're looking for each other with like these three balls forward or low crosses. They're creating chances. And it's like, man, Sally had so many good like outside of foot crosses in this game. Or when he's just bursting down, getting behind defence. He uh, was very unlucky not to create a second for Yotta when it was cleared off the line. I think Mane linked up well with Yotta for his goal. And it was a cool finish uh, across the keeper. So like encouraging signs from them. And if they can keep that up, is What you want to see is what Liverpool lacked from the attack sometimes last season that little bit of sharpness in front of goal them not quite being on the same page not in sync but from what we've seen
1: in pre-season so far signs are encouraging yeah certainly lots of questions in the midfield but I'd be very surprised if that wasn't the first choice front three going into next season for Norwich at the very least but that's all we've got time for on this edition we'll be back tomorrow with all of the coverage from Anfield once again as a different Liverpool 11 takes on Osasuna from 7pm UK time Until then, though, goodbye. You've been listening to the Post
0: Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.